we just have a two-week series. It's called Living for Eternity. And uh, about two weeks ago, I don't know if you remember. <laughs> I hope you do. Um, I hope you remember every single week, like it's right in there. We talked about getting back in touch with our salvation, back in touch with the cross. That, that everything in our spiritual life revolves around this understanding that we were sinners and now we're saved by what Jesus did on the cross. And so then we went into the parable uh, of the sower and we talked about what happens when the gospel is shared. Some falls on the rocky soil, some have weeds uh, choke them out, some falls on the path, and some falls on the good soil and it yields a crop 30, 60, 100 fold. And we were talking about that fruit in our lives. Can we have fruit in our lives that will literally yield a, 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 a crop of 30, 60, and 100 fold? So then what happens is Jesus goes into another parable. And this parable is the gospel. So if you know the gospel, if you understand what has gone on with Jesus in the cross, you're going to be bored to tears this, this, uh, this uh, sermon. You're just going to go, oh man, I wanted it to be something really neat where he takes a Greek word and he divides it into four things. And it... But here's what the scriptures say. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God unto salvation. The gospel, this, this simple story of how we were once lost and now we're found, the good news is the power of God. And we'll look at that verse in a little bit. But where we are right now is Jesus tells them a parable. And he says, there was this guy who has a, a, a field. And he goes out in his field and he sh- uh, sows a bunch of seed. And in the middle of the night, his workers are asleep. An enemy comes in and puts a bunch of weeds in there. And they don't, they don't know. Trickery of the enemy, right? And then all of a sudden, they start to grow up together. And the workers go, didn't you, what kind of seed did you put in there? Did you put good seed? And the owner says, the enemy has done this. The enemy has ruined this crop. So they say, well, do you want us to pull out all the tares? No, no, no. Keep them in there. Let them grow up together. And at the end, we're going to take the tares. We're going to put them in one section to be burned. And we're going to take the wheat. And we're going to put it in another section to be stored. So when you get to a section of scripture like this, that's so clear cut. Uh, I was telling Lisa, it gets frustrating for me sometimes because I'm like, well, I don't know. It's pretty simple, <laughs> pretty straightforward. And I was wondering why in the world would I need to do anything to make this complicated? So we're not going to. Because Jesus explains the parable, and this is what he says. Matthew chapter 13, verse 36. Then he left the crowd and went into a house. His disciples came to him and said, explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered, the one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. And the seed stands for the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the, de- of the evil one. And the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age and the harvesters are angels. Okay, he goes on. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels. They will weed out his kingdom, everything that causes sin, and all who do evil. They will throw them into the fiery furnace where, they will, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. And then 
This seems to be a pattern of Jesus now in his teaching. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. In other words, this is important stuff. Okay? So he explains it to the disciples. And this message that I'm preaching this morning might be one of the most important messages you'll ever hear in your life. Whether you've been a believer for 30, 40 years or you're just trying to figure things out. Because it's the power of God unto salvation. And I really think, in my own life as well, that when we've been a Christian for a long time, we start getting, you know, we accept Christ and we go through that, that process of the joy of our salvation. And then we move into, okay, we're going to learn the word and we're going to try to do this better and try to do that better. And we move on and we move on and we move on and we forget that there's going to be two locations at the end of our life. We're going to talk about uh, that a little bit. Romans uh, 1.16 is where I get that. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone, to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. He says to Timothy this, he says, don't be ashamed to testify about our Lord for whatever reason, either persecution or you think it's, ah, it's a silly story, no one's going to believe it. Do not be ashamed or of me as prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel. How? By the power of God. There is something about the gospel message that carries such power. And I believe we have been neutered. (laughs) Okay, it's all right. You can laugh. Don't worry about that. Didn't say anything bad. Just said we've been neutered of that power. We no longer have we we think it's it's not relevant. We think, well, we got to do this. We got to do that. The gospel, the absolute raw gospel is the power of God. It goes on. It says, who has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we've done, but because of his own purpose and grace. And then it goes on later and it says, our savior, Jesus Christ, who has destroyed death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. We're going to go through five things. The first one is one design, one design. They all start with D. The first one starts with one. All the rest are two. I'm just throwing stuff at you just to make sure you're awake. All right. One design. It's God's design. And this is vitally important. You say, I know, I know. I trust God. Do you really trust this story? Do you trust in this God? It is his design. He, for some reason, decided to create you and me. He designed it. He planned it. He knew we were going to fall away. He knew some were going to spend eternity apart from him and some were were going to spend eternity with him. It's God's design. We cannot pick and choose. We can't say, oh, I don't really know about that. You know, when we go to scripture, we come to one conclusion. God designed this plan. That's it. It's his design. And we can go, we can fuss about is the earth 8 billion years old, 5 million years old, 6,000 years old, whatever. It's going to come down to do, where do we spend eternity with God? It's God's design. We saw this in Matthew. Uh, oh, you know what? Yeah, yeah, it's God's design. The second thing is there's two directors. Okay, think of it, think if I wrote a movie plot. And uh, I'm the writer of the plot and I've got all the cast 
and everything. And I have my little, you know, they have a little bull, like one of those little cones or whatever, like a yell leader in high school. Yeah, maybe that's where the yell leaders go. They become directors. I don't know. But, uh, and he's yelling in there and he says, okay, everybody quiet on the set, quiet on the set. And all of a sudden some other guy comes in, make some noise, everybody. Woo. Right. It would be mayhem. Because you can't have two, there's one director. He tells everyone to be quiet. He says, this is going to be a slow scene. He stops the person and says, no, say it in an Italian accent. There, perfect. Got it. Cut, you know. But for some reason, in God's design, he, had, he allows these two voices. These two voices. The one who sows the seed, Jesus says that's the son of man. That's a reference to himself. It's one of the most popular references he uses to talk about himself. The son of man and the enemy, the devil. Now, guys, I'm telling you, do not glaze over this point. You're like, I know, I, I believe in the devil. Do you? Like, do you really believe in the devil? I mean, is some, does somebody really hate you to the point that they want you utterly destroyed, that they want your marriage totally destroyed, that they want your kids on drugs, they want your kids having sex, they want your kids all jacked up, they want, he wants you completely and utterly destroyed. I mean, think about that. Do you, what if you had somebody who really was doing that, like me? <laughs> and I'd call you up and I'd stalk you and I would be, I'd do stuff to your house all the time and I'll do, get, just get involved in there. You'd be like, man, you'd all, you'd, all you'd be doing is thinking about, man, I'd love to get that guy. There's an enemy out there seeking someone to devour. And Jesus, uh, Paul says to resist him, firm in your faith, resist him. Two directors. Fortunately, there's one who owns the field. We saw this in Matthew chapter nine. Ask the Lord of the harvest. Jesus is the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. Did you know the earth and all that it contains is God's? Everything, that ch- the chairs we bought, all this stuff, the carpet, everything, it's God's. He can do with it what he wants. You see that? Two directors. Let me get to two descriptions. Okay, this is vitally important. There are two descriptions, wheat and weeds, lost and found, righteous and unrighteous. These are going through all the scriptures. There are two descriptions. Everyone in this room either knows Jesus and is going to heaven or does not know him and is going to hell. Those are your two options. There's no in between. There's no, well, if I'm a good guy, there's two descriptions, weed and weeds. That's it. You say, well, man, that's a tough word. Yes, it is a tough word. The first part of our mission is reach. Okay, reach who? The lost people who are going to hell. You see that? That's who we're reaching. We're not reaching out to each other to, you know, just high five and say, which scripture verses did you read this year? Okay, it's to reach the lost and then to restore them to a healthy relationship in the sun. Jesus isn't giving any other. Oh, and then there's also there's some weed and some weeds and then there's some rocks and then there's some the two. You, you're one or the other. I, I don't come down on other pastors because, number one, I don't have time. Number two, I, I don't want anyone like to go you know, dissecting my podcast. I can't believe he said this. Right. 
So uh, typically when someone says to me, hey, what do you think about this guy? My typical response is, well, you know what? If God's called him to do that, God's called him to do that. I can't be responsible for that, okay? And I always leave it at that, and I'm fine with that. Except for last, last week, I was flipping through the channels, because there's not, now that the football's gotten to just a few games, there's not enough football for me, uh, which is a bummer. Uh, I, well, anyway. So, so I, I'm watching this, and here's this guy, famous guy, big church, big, big church. And I'm like, you know, I've never actually heard, I hear people making fun of him, and also I've never actually heard the guy. So he goes on, and he's talking and about different things and stuff. And I'm like, dude, you know, you should just try the scripture just once in this sermon. It would be awesome. It's a Bible. It's thick. It, you can do it. You know, they got it on, on video. You can do whatever you want. Just mention something. I don't know. If God gives you, if your life gives you lemons, you make lemonade. If he closes a door, he opens a hatch door. I'm just like, dude. And people are like into it. And I started to grieve. I'm like, you look out and it's just a sea of people. And I'm going, dude, say something about our sin. Just at once, say something. Say something out of the Bible. It goes through the whole thing. No, no, no. Finally, there was a reference in the Bible. You know, praise God. Thank you. I start thinking, man, there's two descriptions. Everyone in the sound of my voice. You are either saved or you are lost. You are either going to spend eternity with God or you're going to be eternity separated from him. Two descriptions. So what he says, he says, well, should we tear up these tares? No, no, no. Uh, Because while you're pulling the weeds, you might uproot the wheat with them. See, what Jesus is saying here is in our in our little walnut sized brains, we cannot distinguish who's saved. I can't. Now, I can look at fruit in people's lives, but I don't really know. So if I start pulling up tail going, hey, you know what? I might be pulling up some wheat. So Jesus says, look, let them grow together and we'll let that happen at the end of the age. I'll be the judge of which ways it's going, which on the one hand is incredibly freeing for me because I don't have to live anyone else's spiritual life, just my own. Right. On the other hand, it's incredibly frightening because there will be an end of the age. Because Jesus says this under these two descriptions, he who is not with me is against me. He who does not gather with me scatters. You see, we've been talking about the kingdom of God for months and we've been talking about the kingdom of God is up here. It's difficult to to understand. It's it's spiritual. And we have the kingdom of the world, which is natural. Right. And Jesus is telling his disciples, remember that Greek word we went over last week. Have you made the connection? Have you connected the two? See, and so we go, well, I'm not against Jesus. I just, you know, I don't know what I believe. You're against, you, you can only be one or the other, wheat or tares, for or against, gather or scatter. There's no demilitarized zone in the kingdom of God and the kingdom of the world. They are at war together, okay? We've been talking about that for a long time. So we're, we're, we, we grow up with these, these people. I remember back in uh, um, the 80s, it might have been the early 90s, and again, I'm not coming down on anyone who did this. I just remember there was this mass exodus to Colorado Springs because it was a, it was a Christian town, essentially. And, and Focus on the Family went up there and a bunch of different ministries went up there. And, and I remember talking to some people who were going to move and they were just like, I just, I just got to get out of this. There's so many non-believers around me. It's just weighing me down. 
And, and, and okay, I'm, I don't judge them for that. That's fine. But as a principle, we think there's never going to come a time when the tears get pulled up until Jesus does it. I can tell you this, church. You can open the newspaper, read the television, you can, and get all frustrated about where we're going. We are surrounded by people who don't believe in Jesus Christ. Okay? And so, so our responsibility is to be wheat, not to pull all the tears out around us so that we can have our nice plot. Okay, so we have these two things. So watch what Jesus says. He's praying. I'm starting to talk too fast. Slow it down, big boy. All right. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. Again, here we go back to this idea about Satan. Okay. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by, your, by the truth. Sanctify them by the truth. That is our restore part. We have the reach part. That's the restore part, the sanctification of the word. It's why we memorize scripture. We, we cleanse our minds. We, we become new creatures. We, 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 we change the patterns. You no longer be conformed to this world, but be transformed. That word conformed, you don't, you, you, there's, you don't want the pattern. You look at the world's pattern, you don't want to be that way. We do that through sanctifying of the word. Two descriptions, two. You're one or the other, period. <laughs> you might be on your way to one or way to the other. But you are one or the other. I am one or the other. I'm either wheat or weeds. The fourth thing, two durations, two time frames, if you will. The temporal and the eternal. The temporal is what we see in this world. Okay, this is the the, the kingdom of the world. Okay, the eternal is the kingdom of God. So (laughs) what we do in the temporal affects the eternal. There's another scripture right after the one we're going to read where Jesus says, have you, do you understand this? Have you made the connection? And they go, yes, we have. <laughs> so I, I don't know if they had or not. I wouldn't have. But uh, so, so why, why do we have this temporal and this eternal? Why didn't, why didn't God just do it? Just, okay, let's just knock it out all in one shot. We'll send the people who were going to go to hell to hell or apart from me, we'll send the, you know, the heaven ones and we're done because there's something that get this church, get this, get in touch with your salvation. Again, there is something in the temporal that affects the eternal. For some reason we have been given this choice by God's design to accept him or reject him. And so we look at the temporal and we say, well, it's so short compared to the eternal. I mean, seriously. Okay, so you live to 80, 90 years old, 100. Let's, I'll give you 105, okay? Well, you're all going to live to 105. Congratulations. Watch what happens. We're talking about this day Going into the eternal. It says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Now listen, if you take your bulletin and you look on the back, under our reach, there's a verse. Second Peter 3, 9, is it on there? Okay, that's this verse, okay? The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some count slowness. He's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. This is the key of God's plan. For God so loved the world. He loved the world that for some reason he created us to have this chance so that some would not perish, but that they would have everlasting life with him. 
This is the good news. No matter what you're going through temporally in this world, does not compare one shred to eternity. Now listen to me, because this is very important. We are in our human body. So, so we understand everything by our, our flesh. If you say, hey, I'm going to be an hour late, that bugs me, right? An hour late, what is your problem? Couldn't you get up early? Because I think in terms of my brain, an hour is a long time. I, we, 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 we think in terms of temporal. Something's alive and it's dead. We had it and we lost it, right? When we talk about the eternal church, we can't even begin to understand what we're talking about. We, we were t- I was talking about it with my in-laws last night about, you know, you, you get to, um, you know, you go to heaven. Now, let's just think, about, be honest with me here. Okay, so heaven goes for eternity, all right? So you get there and you're there for like the first hundred years singing worship songs. Killer, killer worship, like the best worship you've ever had, right? A hundred years. Okay, so honestly, like, do we have to do it for 101? I mean, isn't there a time when you just go, hey, that was awesome worship. I'm going to go sit down for a second, right? I mean, if we really take eternity, (laughs) think about it. Like, what could you do for eternity that you'd want to do for eternity. It's like, I love to eat chips, okay? So I'm hoping that in heaven, like for five or ten years, I could eat chips. That's all I do, right? But at some point, I'm going to get tired of chips, right? Now, here's the thing. We're going to get it when we get to the two destinations, but heaven is beyond... If we were in heaven now, we'd be done, we cannot be in the presence of God in these bodies. We're going to have different bodies, eternal glorified bodies that will be able to experience God uh, at a level you cannot even conceive of experiencing him now. Take your best time in the Lord. Maybe one time you were in your, I remember one time I was uh, on a business trip and I brought my little guitar and I was in a hotel room and I began to pray and I began to play my guitar. And I'm telling you, the room was filled with the Holy Spirit in my hotel room. Go figure. Matter of fact, I think Marriott should charge more for that room now because it's been <laughs> anointed. OK, so so I'm in there and I, I get on my knees and I'm just singing and oh, I sense his presence. And it, it was just fabulous. And, and, then it, and then it went away. Nothing compared to what I could experience in my glorified body. Okay? Now you say, why are you saying this? Because so often we're so focused on this temporal. That means nothing except for what we can do in the eternal. Listen, look what James says. Why? You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What's your life? You're like a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Congratulations, you're a mist. You go, you can go home and go, honey, I'm a mist. I'm here for just a short time. It gets better. James goes on. He says this, but the one who is rich, you think, well, that's the guy who really made it down here, right? What's he like? Oh, he should take pride in his low position because he will pass away like a wild flower. So he actually gets, he's a wild flower. So he gets a good one there. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich man will fade away even when he goes about his business. I did some research on some famous, famous rich people. I could name 10 of them. You would have no clue who they were. 
They just faded. At the time, they were so important. Right? What are you thinking about right now in the temporal that God says, bump that? That is not, that you're, that's nothing. You know, there's this whole business about, you know, foreclosures and stock market and what's going to happen to my retirement. You're going to die. You're going to die poor. You're going to die rich. You're going to die. Listen, James says, you don't know. You could walk outside and drop dead of a heart attack. You could die right now. Okay, I don't mean to depress you. Okay, I'm glad giving doesn't depend on like how happy you are when you leave or we'd be in trouble. But I'm seriously, you're going to die. Okay, whatever you're going through now, you're going to die. And then it's then it's eternal. Okay, see that we have temporal and we have eternal. We work all this time. Oh, I just want to make the temporal feel make me feel good. And oh, this is bad. I don't like that. I don't like that. And we're wasting ways we could affect the eternal by caring too much about the temporal goes on, for you've been born again, not of a perishable seed, but imperishable, through the living, enduring word of God. All men are like grass. So you're a mist, you're a wildflower, or you're grass. And all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flowers fall. But the word of the Lord stands forever. Okay? Number five, two destinations, heaven and hell. Those are your two choices, door A or door B. There's no in-between. There's no holding pen where you get a second chance. There's no, no, it's heaven and hell. Now listen, I I have done a lot of research on hell, okay? There's a lot of different beliefs. Some believe that you're on fire for all eternity and, you know, you're being tortured. And and, and again, this is not a happy sermon this morning, uh, you got some believe that some believe you get thrown into the lake of fire and it's in, and, and you're you're gone in an instant. OK, and, and, and these are all they you can do the research. Smart people, there's smart people on any every side. OK, so however, I'm not trying to tell you how to believe. Here's the thing every commentator. Agrees on don't go there. <laughs> they all agree on it's not the choice you should have. Okay. Every single one of them has come to the conclusion. Yeah, not so much with the hell part. Tell me about the heaven one again. Okay. You see what I'm saying? Now, listen, so we sweet, what we try to do is we try to make hell the work, you know, in order to make it the worst thing I've, I've heard guys go, you know what it's like? It's like you're on the sun and then you're burning, and then you can hear all your loved ones screaming out in ang- agony, but it's pitch black. And they try and make it as bad as you could possibly think, so that, oh, wow, you know. We are going to experience hell in the same glorified body, not glorified, but the same body that we would experience heaven. I can't describe hell to you in a way that you're our, our, like I said, our walnut sized brain can understand. We know this. And I put some verses on the bottom of your, of your, uh, thing there. You can look them up later. We know this. There's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, if that is, I mean, imagine you're 
you get, you get your, your, your flesh is gone and you understand I could have eternity with God. And you, un- you realize that. You realize eternity with God is this. Oh my goodness. And you realize at the same moment, you ain't getting it. Now you're experiencing that with new insight that you'd never had before. So I can't describe hell in a way where you go, wow, it's not a thousand degrees, it's 1200 degrees. Well, I don't want to go there, right? Now that you've made it even you know, hotter. Let's read what it says. Second Thessalonians 1 9, and they will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord. Okay, no matter what you believe about hell, that is the hell. God is not there. There's no, pre- there's no hope, there's no nothing. Okay, now, whether that happens in an instant in the lake of fire out of Revelation or it goes on and on and on, I have no clue, but that's what's going on. And from the majesty of his power. See, again, guys, we read these verses and we go, Oh, yeah, okay, the majesty of his power. We don't, we can't fathom what he's like. I, I can't believe that he cares about me. This God of eternity who has no beginning and no end. He's all-knowing. He, 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 he knows everything about my heart. And it says, while I was yet a sinner. Did you know that you are a sinner destined for hell? I don't care who you are. And for some reason, it says, it says for all, all, every single one of us have sinned. And we fall short of being able to be with God. We, we by our very nature, should be sent to hell. But it says that well, while we were yet sinners, while we were seeped in our sin. And you go, well, I don't do that many bad things. To a loving, to a holy, absolute holy God, what you think is nothing is an eternal sin. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He sent Jesus to die for us. And so here I am. I have nothing. Paul says, I am not adequate to consider anything is coming from myself, but my adequacy is from God, who also made me adequate as a servant of a new covenant. He says, guys, we don't deserve it. And I think sometimes I take it for granted because I've been saved for so long and I know so much scripture. You don't deserve to go to heaven. You see, I don't deserve to go to heaven. I deserve to go to hell, but somehow... God snatched me. You know what it's like? It's like if you were drowning, okay? You're drowning and you're going down for the... Th- I hate... W- w- to me, drowning, if I drown, I, I hate water. I don't, I'm not a strong swimmer. I panic. So this is a good analogy for me. I don't care about you guys. I just wanted one for myself. <laughs> okay? So I'm drowning. I'm going down one time, two times. This is it. I got, I got one... Look, I, I, can't, I can't make it up. My hand's up. It's up like this. And somebody throws me a life preserver. Now, and throws it perfect. Bam! Right into my hand. And I have a choice. Do I grab on or not? And some of us know people, man, that thing's been sitting there, they're drowning, they're going down, and they won't grab hold. They won't say, I am drowning, I'm a sinner. 
Now, for some reason, God in his divine plan made this way that even though we're sinful, even though we don't deserve it, even though we all fall short, he sent his son to die. And again, church, we talk about how brutal of a death it was. And we say no one's ever had such a death. I'm sure people have had more brutal death. What Christ did was every single second when he was in the temporal, he did the right thing. He made the right choice. He just, at time after time after time, little decision after little decision, he, and he was growing. He had that relationship with his father. It says he grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Guys, we cannot lose the fact that we were dying. Even if you accepted Christ when you were six years old, and you go, man, I've kind of known him my whole life. No. Don't lose the fact that we do not deserve heaven. He provided a way. Look what, look what God says in Ezekiel. He says, say to them, as surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked. And sometimes we talk like, well, that guy will get his in the end. Well, that might make us happy, but it doesn't make God happy at all. I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that they would turn their ways from their ways and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways. Why will you die, O house of Israel? And for some of you, I don't know everyone in here, but if God, if the, your heart is burning right now and you and God is saying, turn, I've thrown a life preserver, grab it, humble yourself to live a life that's unlike anything else. That's his heart. Because guys, I preach God's love so often. I, all the time I tell people, God loves you. He does love you. But he's saving you from something. His wrath. He's saving you from separation from him. See, we remember that he loves me. He saved me. Yay. We forget from what? From separation from him. Look at Romans chapter two, verse five. I know we've had a lot of scripture this morning, guys. Thanks for sticking with me. But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath. When his righteous judgment will be revealed. God will give to each person according to what he has done. You either grab the life preserver or you don't. To those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality, he will give eternal life. Two descriptions, two destinations, right? But for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, which again, it's the same thing. It's like, well, I reject the truth, but I'm not following evil. Impossible. There will be wrath and anger. Have we lost the respect of God the Father? Of man, he can be angry. God can. It's like, but he loves me, but I'm saved by grace. Yes, there is this time, guys. There's this time of, 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 of we're a field and we're all growing up together and we got wheat on one side and we got tares on the other, but there will be a day when Christ will return and he will make a judgment against your neighbor. He will make a judgment against your boss. And you're like, whoo, praise, hallelujah. I knew he'd get his. <laughs> God's not happy about it. We saw that in 2 Peter 3.9. He wishes that none perish, but all come to salvation. 